For State of the Human and the Stanford Storytelling Project, I'm Alex Strong. The Stanford Storytelling Project is an arts program at Stanford University that explores how we live in and through stories, and even more importantly, how we can deepen our lives and experience transformations through our own storytelling and by witnessing others. One of the ways we do that is by creating audio stories for our podcast, State of the Human. In each episode, we explore a theme that helps us understand something about a particular state of the human, things like breathing or belonging or lying or gaming. This winter, we're exploring stories about reclaiming what's been lost. As an added bonus to our reclaiming series, we're including conversations with the creators of those stories so we can share with you a behind the scenes look at the craft of audio storytelling. We hope that by listening, you'll not only learn something about storytelling, but you'll feel invited into the transformation that each storyteller has experienced themselves. Today I'm here with Aru Nair, the creator of Journey Through Generations, the second story in our Reclaiming series. Aru, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I wanted to start by asking you to describe your storytelling style in three words. I think the first two would be introspective and curious. Well, and, and I would say the third one is lyrical. That's very kind. You created this project as a part of the 2022 Braden Storytelling Grant. For those of you who don't know about the Braden Grant, the Storytelling Project accepts grant applications every year in February, and by March we award grant funding and nine months of mentorship, teaching, and training to grantees to complete an oral documentary. Journey Through Generations was your Braden Grant project. Can you tell us why you wanted to make this particular story? Where did the idea and inspiration come from? So my parents always told us stories growing up. Whenever I wanted advice about something or I was, you know, facing some sort of issue and I would go to my dad, I always remember him. Instead of giving me advice like a normal parent, he would tell me a story. I was really annoyed with him growing up by that a little bit because I wanted an easy solution to my problems. But I think he was very perceptive in that, in understanding that the world doesn't come in easy solutions and you kind of have to figure out what you want to do for yourself. And even my mom was always a storyteller. Like, I remember we would gather around like a bowl of rice. Like, I remember we would be eating and she would tell my brother and me college stories when she was younger and all of the adventures that she went on. And that was like a really big part of my childhood. So I guess I was really interested in how these stories become our lives. And that's kind of what made me start on this journey, I guess. I think that really affects the way that I live my life today and the way that I kind of see the world in stories. And I've always had a sort of love for storytelling. And a lot of that came from the way that I grew up and the way that stories were always told in my household. So I think that in order to even start on a journey of talking about stories, I think this is where I had to start for myself to understand like where that love of stories came from. And I realized a lot of it stemmed from this practice of oral tradition. Can you talk about what your relationship was like with your dad before this project? We were always really close. I think fathers and daughters have a very particular kind of relationship, and I think I could get away with a lot more with him than anyone else really could. I think before going on this trip with him, I saw him in my life like as a father, but I think I didn't really understand him as an individual or really understand where he came from in a more like concrete way. Like I knew all these things, like these facts, like he played, you know, cricket with his friends all the time growing up or, you know, he would get into trouble and they were very mischievous growing up. But I never really had that concretely or like I never really got to see him like that. I never got to see those versions of himself. And so I think going on this journey made me really understand that our parents, even though to us seem like parents, they're also just people and they have their own 
lives and their own journeys that they go on. But yeah, I think our relationship definitely changed over that summer because I got to see him in all of these different kinds of roles. I saw him as a son and a brother and he was, you know, I saw a lot of my relationship with my brother in the way that he talked with his siblings. And yeah, it was just really cool to see him as a person instead of just as a father. Did that help add context to the piece you ended up producing? Yeah, definitely. I think because he kind of instilled that love of storytelling in me, he ended up being really instrumental in the story and much more than I had originally thought because I wanted to go by myself. I was very adamant about that at first. But yeah, he was really worried about my safety and getting around places okay. And so he ended up coming with me, which ended up being a really big part of the story. Why were you so dead set on going alone at first? I think it's it's that feeling of like, I want this to be just mine. I don't want it to be influenced by other people. I want it to just be my exploration of this topic that I'm really interested in. It's kind of funny looking back now because him going on the trip with me really made the story what it is right now. And I think I was really adamant about it being something that was just mine. But I think I realized that my love for storytelling didn't come out of thin air. Like it really came from somewhere. And I think that's what the story ended up being about in a lot of ways too. Do you have a moment that didn't make the cut for the final piece, but that you really wish was in it that like speaks to that relationship that you fostered with your dad over this trip? There's a moment that is not like, I remember the scene really well and it's like spoken in the story, but it was a silent moment between me and my dad. And it was when Ramesh Kutum, which is the folk singer that I interviewed when he started singing like a lullaby song, that's something that I grew up with, my my mom singing to me. And there was this moment that our eyes met and I talk about it in the piece, but I think nothing can really capture like that feeling of being in that moment. And, you know, because he's the only person who would really understand like what that meant to me, like hearing that song. So I think that was a really cool moment through the on the trip. What were you feeling in those moments? Yeah, I think it's kind of that feeling when someone has... Like even with like a childhood best friend, when someone has seen you from day one, you know, before you learned social skills, before you learned how to be the person that you are now, it's kind of seeing all those versions of yourself reflected in someone else's face and expression and in their eyes. We don't even have to, you know, say anything, but we know what we are thinking. I think that's something that's really special. Making that story was long and time involved and took you through nine months of writing, interviews, revisions, audio editing, sound design. What did you learn from that process about story craft? I think I learned that it's always something that is there that's kind of in plain sight, but you kind of have to chip away at it. Like it feels like what I imagine a sculptor would do when they have like a huge slab of rock and they have to kind of find the piece within what they're given. So yeah, I think whittling away at it was a really interesting process. It's like a subtractive process, but it also feels simultaneously like you're creating something, which is really cool. And I think I also, the biggest thing that I learned is that it's something that's really collaborative. Like my mentor, Melissa, was there with me through the whole thing. And I'm so glad that I had someone to kind of see it from an outside perspective and to give me that kind of like feedback as someone who is just hearing this experience versus me experiencing it directly. I think that was really helpful. And, you know, getting everyone's revisions and hearing their feedback, I think, was really beneficial. So I think it's it really taught me that storytelling is a very collaborative thing. 
Was there a moment when you felt like you had like a breakthrough in the piece? The marble like showed you what it was trying to want to be? That's a good question. I think one of the biggest moments was, or like one of the moments where I was like, oh, this feels like a story was when I was writing out my script and I had given it to Laura and she was like, oh, what if you started here? And I cut the first like three paragraphs, which were more like my reflections than anything else, because I feel like sometimes that seems like it's a good place to start because that's what you learned from this experience. But in reality, that's kind of something that either goes at the end or is something for the listeners to figure out for themselves. Like you don't have to tell them what to think. They have to kind of take the materials and figure out what they feel about that for themselves. So I think that was a really big moment because it felt like I had an opening and I, I had a, a starting point for the piece. Were there any moments that you had like tremendous data loss or some brutal headache in the process that got you so down? I think the translating really like drove me up a wall because I can understand Malayalam like relatively well, but I think there's an art to translation that is, you know, I definitely do not have the knowledge or the skill set for. So the translation was really difficult. And then I had to find people to say the translation over the original interview. And so all of that was a very tumultuous process, I would say. And that was, yeah, that was a lot. Who did you find to do the the saying? It was mostly my friends. And then I got a couple of recommendations from people who have experience in theater and stuff like that. But you did all the translation yourself? Yeah, mostly. I got it checked by my dad and like ran through it with my mom as well. But I did most of it, yeah, myself. We're speaking English now, and the piece is in English, but it's got the manyanam in it, and it's got the Kannada. It's got all these languages. Like, it's a big melting pot of languages. Like, how do you think that that affects the story? I think it's interesting. I know that there's like a psychological term about this. I think it's the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. It's the idea that the language that you speak in affects the way that you think. And so I think that that's really interesting because when I have been listening to the piece or do the interviews... Like the translated and the untranslated parts feel completely different to me. Like the interviews, even though they technically mean the same thing, I think like the original Malayalam makes a lot more sense to me. So I think it changes the way you think about things. What did you learn about yourself when you were making this story? I've always known that I really like stories. Like my friends were always like whenever I would show them music, they're always like, oh, the music that you always pick is very narrative and it very much feels like it's a story is being told in that song. And I never like really thought about all of those kinds of things too much. But I think going through this experience made me realize that that's really like so much of the core of who I am. The way that I think about things and the way that I experience the world is through story. And this experience really solidified that for me. And it helps me understand myself and the world better, I think. Audio storytelling was never a medium that I had like I had some familiarity with it, but it felt very different, like what I was doing versus like hearing a podcast. There was a moment in the braiding class where we were trying to practice tracking narration. We listened to a lot of trailers and openings and heard these incredible voices. And, you know, it's that feeling of like, oh, this is a podcasting voice. And I think I like didn't really understand what that meant until that moment. And so I think doing those exercises it made me like pay more attention to the way words sound and not just how they're written or how they make sense when you read them. And I think there's something really beautiful about that because the story is about oral tradition and oral storytelling. There was a moment where 
I was like, oh, it's not just the words that matter. It's not about the semantics 100%. I think a lot of it is about the way you form the words, the way they sound together, the cadence of them, the rhythm. And so I think that was a really interesting moment. Why is the piece titled Journey Through Generations? It's that idea of you're standing on the shoulders of everyone that came before you. And even if you want to reject that history, you know, everyone has like conflicts with family and especially extended family. I think we're all going to experience that very soon during this break. But I think it's just an acknowledgement of that fact that like those people have made us who we are, whether we like it or not, whether it's in a good or bad way, like they have been instrumental in creating us. Is there anyone's voice that didn't make it into the show that was instrumental in creating the show for you? Oh, yeah. So, so many people that I met in India. There are so many people that I met in Thrissur specifically that were so helpful with helping me find people to interview and looking at places to research more. Were there any moments where you were the whirlwind or whether the whirlwind was like someone coming through the story? Actually, like when I was first writing the grant, I was originally going to go to a place called Manipal, which is the place that I've really like been to the most in India. And it's where my dad grew up and where my mom went to college and how they met and everything. And I ended up not wanting to go there because I don't understand Kannada, unfortunately. And I do understand Malayalam, so that's why I wanted to pick somewhere in Kerala. And so I ended up switching the place, but it was also because I didn't really want to, I just didn't want the like people I knew in Manipal or like family I knew to like impact the story. Like I wanted it kind of be, to be my own little thing. But there was a period of time where I didn't have interviews and I didn't have anything going on in Thrissur. And Manipal is like a train right away. And so my dad was like, oh, do you want to just go for a few days? And I was kind of not super hot on that idea, I would say at first. But I think that it was honestly like what really, I think that was one of the inflection points in the piece, I would say, is going on this kind of last minute trip to Manipal and seeing family and seeing my dad in this kind of completely different context than I had originally seen him. So I got to see him with his mom and with his brother and sister and how he kind of acts in a very different way than, you know, with me as as my dad. And I think it was also interesting seeing him without my mom. I kind of experienced him as an individual. And that entire trip was very much a whirlwind because that was when I realized like, oh, no matter how much I run away from the past and how much I feel like I want to reject it in some ways, it's made me who I am. And those people have all made me who I am today. And I think that little mini trip within the trip really taught me to embrace that. Do you feel like there was a moment you were like, oh, this is it? Yeah, I think whenever I talk to my dad, he always really focuses on what's going on in my life. And he is very much like a parental figure in that, you know, he doesn't really talk about what's going on with him and kind of what he's experiencing. It's not like a, a 50-50 even conversation, I would say. I think this entire concept of like showing someone your hometown is one of my favorite things ever. Like I, I want to see a lot of my friends' hometowns and see how that impacted so much of how they grew up and who they are now. And I think there was this one day in particular, you know, it's the monsoon season, so it's always raining. But my dad and I went to all these places that he, you know, grew up with so intimately in a way that I will never really understand. Like there is a part of the story where 
I go to this field where he used to play cricket with his friends and I go to his school and I actually walked through the school that he went to as a kid, which is so crazy. And it was so wild to like see that, you know, even though it's something that happened in the past, it still has a, a sense of vitality to it. And I think that another big moment was going to the place where my mom and dad first met. And I ended up meeting one of my dad's friends who was kind of instrumental in my mom and dad getting together. And so it was kind of just so trippy, like seeing all of these places from his perspective and see what they mean to him. I think that was a really big deal for me. The story really came alive. Yeah. And the stories you've been told as a kid really came alive too, I imagine. And that little trip within the trip really helped make the piece. Yeah. It was so funny seeing like the women's hostel and knowing that my mom lived there and like all of her stories, all of her college stories that she would tell us it were really like contextualized in that way. So the, the Braden Grant happens over the summer. When did you know you were leaving for India? I had to book the tickets pretty early because it's pretty expensive. But I left like literally right after finals directly to India. And my dad, like, I think we met in Denver to get there. So, yeah, I was there for about like three weeks to a month, I'd say. And what was it like stepping out of the plane in, in Kochi? I always visited India during the summers growing up. And so there's this very like visceral feeling of being in India for the first time in a really long time. Like it's the humidity and the smell and the, I don't know, there's something like very like intangible about that, but that's very, it's like one of those feelings that like you, I know at the second that I step off the plane that it's like, oh, I'm in India right now. It's a really nice feeling that I only get every once in a while. And so then you went, you went and gathered your tape, told your story. Were there moments in that process where you wanted it to be one thing and then some interviewee told you something and you were like, oh no, this is going to change the whole story? I don't think there were necessarily like parts where I feel like sometimes when you're going about researching something, when you're asking questions, you have an idea of what the answer is. And I think that's true for some parts of the podcast. But a lot of it was like, I really don't know. And so I think it was more of like a discovery feeling. And it was just interesting how really like one person led to the next and they were like, oh, you should contact this person and try to talk to them about it. And I thought that was really cool. And so there was a lot of like field work, like I had to take a bunch of buses to get to each of these different places. Like some per some people were in like very remote villages that were, you know, very far away. Or like sometimes I had to go to different towns and stuff like that. So I got to see a lot of the surrounding area of Thrissur, which was really, really cool. I think one of my favorite parts is taking the bus because they play really loud music and it's really good music. And I love the like, you know, everyone's like squished on the bus together and it feels very... I don't know. It's like taking the subway in New York. Like, it's this feeling of everyone's on the subway together for, like, this specific period of time, even though we might have very different lives. Like, they intersect in this one moment. I honestly really enjoyed it. I liked being able to have all the different adventures. So then when you left India, you had a certain sense of what the story was going to be. And then you maybe, like, tuned it up a little bit, imported your audio. How much changed between when you left India and when you started the Braden class in the fall? Oh, there was a lot. I think that the summer, like, honestly, it didn't really get fully started until the class because throughout the summer I was just going through tape and kind of finding, like, at the basic level, like, what I might need, what I might not need. And there was so much tape that I had to go through. And then I was also starting the process of translating everything. So I didn't really get to, like, do the story craft stuff necessarily 
until the class started, really. So then the class starts and you have like a, what is that story craft? What did you change? I think it was just trying to find an order and trying to figure out what the different scenes were. Like, I think there was a lot of trying to pick a scene and then understanding the reflection and figuring out what interview was needed to substantiate that or like how we would guide the listener throughout all these like different parts of the story. How much audio did you have? I have no idea, honestly. Like, I, I really don't remember because this was this was this has been like a year and a half ago almost. And so it's been a while. But like lots and lots of hours of audio. Yeah. And it was difficult because I understand Malayalam pretty well, but there are still like some parts where it's like they really they talk really quickly or they have a like in Thrissur, the dialect is very specific and it's not something that I'm used to hearing. It's a, it's actually really beautiful. It's a kind of sing-songy way of, of speaking that they have. And I'm not, I'm just not used to hearing that. And when they speak so quickly, it's kind of hard for me to catch on. So it took me a while to like really fully listen to all of the tape and like really understand what they were saying. And then you had to translate it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so we're at the end of fall, last year at the end of fall, where did you feel like the piece was? This was like really like the grind time, I would say. <laughs> like I think the difference between my piece at week 10 and finals week was enormous. Like I went through a lot of changes in that last week of just making sure everything was in its right place and, you know, doing some last minute changes and stuff like that. So it went through a lot of changes in that last week. Yeah. This place really accelerates at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Are you happy with those changes? This is kind of a somewhat abridged version of the original piece. And yeah, I'm pretty happy with those changes that I made at the end. If you had more time, like if you had an extra week, what would you have done in that moment from the grind? I think at that point, I had just been working at it so much that I needed a break from it. So I don't know that a lot would have gotten done in that time if I had more time. But yeah, I think I needed some space from it for a while because I just had been focusing on it for so long. And because it's something that's so like, closely tied to me personally and my family, it's sometimes like an exhaustive process to constantly be thinking about those things and constantly like be introspecting about that. Like I was a little bit drained by the end of it. So I think I needed that time away from it to kind of come back. We talk a lot about at the Storytelling Project about a gift of a story. What do you hope that listeners take away from this episode? What's the gift of this story? I think the gift of this story is to just pay attention more to the people and the stories around us. I think attention in a lot of ways is like love. I think we go throughout life a lot of the time kind of just letting it happen to us. And okay, this is annoying, but there's this scene in Fleabag. Fleabag is a TV show that is starring and written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and she's an incredible like performer, an incredible writer. And essentially there's this scene where she's in a bar talking to an older woman and she's kind of talking about how, you know, like people kind of suck a lot of the time. And I think there's a lot like I have a lot of empathy for that feeling and for that sentiment. But then this older woman says, people are all we've got. I watched that TV show after I made this episode, but that's honestly like a lot of how I feel about this story. I think that the people who are present in our lives create so much of the beauty that we get to experience, and they're all we've got. 
people are the most important things that we have. And the way that we interact with each other is through story. And so I think that it's like a way of interacting with the most important thing in the world for me. I think that's probably the gift of my story is to pay more attention to the people around us and to what's happening and how we interact. Thank you so much, Aru. Thank you so much for having me and for taking the time to interview me. It's an incredible piece. Thank you. That's really sweet. Have you heard about the Braden Storytelling Grant? Doing the Braden Project is standing in front of a tunnel that has rocks all around it. This was probably one of the most challenging things I've done at Stanford. And there's a dark tunnel and there's a dark abyss. But also probably the most rewarding. And your mentor gives you this backpack. Oh, wow, this is a whole metaphor. They give you all these tools and they say, do these exercises and trust me and it's going to work out. Each year, the Stanford Storytelling Project awards grants to support the research, writing, and production of audio documentaries. The aim of the program is to help students learn how to tell powerful research-driven stories based on the testimonies that they gather through interviews, oral history archives, and research. Grantees receive up to $2,500 in funding and get teaching, training, and mentorship to support their projects. I really appreciate the mentorship and support all along the way. I never felt abandoned and just so much support. It's such an incredible experience. And I tell you to walk through the dark abyss. Like sometimes I just wanted to scream because I was so lost in the whole process. You cannot see going forward, nothing. Oftentimes you're kind of just plunging into the deep end and you see what comes out of it. But we are walking down this dark abyss because they said at the end of this abyss is a field of flowers. Being a mentor is like telling a student that there's flowers at the end of a very (laughs) long tunnel. But in order to get to those flowers, you need to go through a crazy abyss. But there is hope, okay? Because doing the Braden Project is actually a lot of fun. And the abyss is going to feel hard. I would strongly encourage you to take a lower course load in the fall because this was probably the most time-consuming commitment I had class-wise this quarter. But we got your back. You'll be connected to really the kindest and most supportive mentors you can find on this campus. We will be there. You just receive so much support throughout this process. Supporting you fully, wholeheartedly. We want to hear your authentic voice. I've just had this really powerful feeling of being so supported in a project that is so meaningful to me, which has really meant a lot. I think the mentors are amazing. They're perfect every way. You're going to get all the tools to get through that abyss. It's going to feel hard sometimes, but you definitely have the support and the love. You have a lot of freedom to do whatever is meaningful to you, but also a lot of support to help you figure out how to create an audio documentary. You'd get the opportunity to travel anywhere that you want to go and explore a passion unravel any histories that you want and uncover some truths that you may not be aware of. And the energy behind you to make a rock solid podcast. And when you get to see the story that comes out at the end of it, it's a really beautiful project. And to understand that that's not the end result. As much as we are wholeheartedly committed to supporting all of you in creating beautiful audio stories, the most important thing is student transformation. And that's the thing about the Braden Grant. It kind of puts you in these circumstances where you discover so many new truths about the world and about yourself and what you're passionate about. 
and the end product is like a manifestation of all of that. Looking back on it, I do really appreciate those wild moments and that this whole grant has been a personal journey of growth and I couldn't really have done it on my own. We're really teaching life skills, like how to do things quickly, effectively, kind of just move through a process that might feel hard. Although it is definitely challenging and requires so much work to make something that you can be proud of, it's been a really amazing experience. The project encourages you to be okay with letting go of perfectionism and focuses a lot on developing you not just as a storyteller but as a human being. And what you end up with is a very strong level of understanding and deeper connection to the human experience as a whole and that's something that you will carry with you throughout life. It's a process that's really going to just help you feel like you are worthy. Your voice is valuable and you're here for a reason and that reason needs to be shared. I've learned a lot about storytelling. Being a part of this grant and having had the opportunity to travel to Mexico, I think I learned so much about myself and who I am as a storyteller. It's really helped me discover such a love for audio storytelling. It's not something most people have done, but we will start you at the beginning and we will get you to the end. What a journey. You will grow and develop as a person. I've had so many moments where I've wished that I did this grant sooner. And you will have a new community of Stanford friends. It's been really beautiful to see everyone's stories evolve throughout this process and to have such a close-knit community. And you will have mentors that you can call on for the rest of your life. With amazing mentors who give so much time and energy into helping you grow as a podcast producer. If I had the chance to do this grant again, I would do it again. I would 100% do this again a million times over. Doing the Braden Project is imaginative. Transformation. All-consuming. Tragedy. Complicated. Imperfect. Beautiful. Transformative. Growth. Love. Deeply rewarding. Unique. There are very few places in life where we can learn the value of process. And I think this is one of those places where it's not just about storytelling, it's about life. And also, when you learn how to edit and trim an audio draft, that's boss. Okay, that's the Braden experience. I'm done. If you or someone you know is interested in applying, head to storytelling.stanford.edu to learn more. That's storytelling.stanford.edu.